Well, good morning, everyone. We are so glad that you're with us today, and we we hope you've enjoyed the worship so far. And we we're going to ask if you would to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter two, and we're going to read verses one through four. As we read verses one through four, just stay with us. We're going the the message will cover or it will span all the way to verse thirteen, but we're going to focus heavily on verses one through. Four. And just for thought, uh, today we're going to, we want to look at patiently waiting. I know that's uh, difficult for most of us, but, but that, that is the thought for today, patiently waiting. And, and let me ask this, can you remember as a child how hard it was and how disappointing it was when you were told to wait <laughs> Uh, it's frustrating, and it, and even as adults today, it can be frustrating for us when we're told we have to wait. Patience is not something most people naturally possessed. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's something that we have to learn. And some of us have done very well at learning to be patient at times. But there are a lot of times when we are not as patient as we should be. Uh, how about when we're in line at a fast food restaurant? Or for that matter, how about when we're in a restaurant and, and we're having to wait longer than we want to to be seated? Or, we're, or we feel the, the service is slower than we, than we think it should be. We sometimes often get frustrated while we're waiting because we lose our patience. How... Uh, that may sound simple and it may sound small, but it filters. When we feed into this impatience, it filters into, into us being impatient in bigger moments. How about driving a car? That's not a good time to be impatient, but, but we find that even driving a vehicle, we can become impatient. And I'm as guilty as anyone at being impatient while driving, according to... To my wife, that is. But but what I also know is that, that we get impatient with our children, or we get impatient in an ER or a or a physician's office. We get extremely impatient when we're having to wait. But how many of us honestly and truthfully speaking, we get impatient at church? Oh, yeah, I imagine you, you got your mouths open right now at home. But we get impatient at church because in Sunday school or even in worship service, we begin to look at our watch. Not to see what's coming next, but to see how, how much time do we have left. Or when will this be over? Uh, we get impatient with even church. And how many of us today are growing impatient with this pandemic? Uh, if I could say it like we would around home, this is just getting on our nerves, isn't it? We're getting impatient with all of the things that are going on around us. But what I'm learning, the older I become, is that patience has its benefits. One particular benefit of being patient is it keeps us from becoming frustrated. The problem with being frustrated is that others recognize that when we are frustrated and they begin to wonder what's wrong with them. But whenever we're patient, people will also recognize that. And their response to that is that their company was pleasant. Well, 
I don't know how frustrated or how patient Jesus' disciples were when he told them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. What I know is, is that they assembled together and they waited. As we look in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we begin to see this in the text. The Bible says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with one accord in one place. And they suddenly, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. This is God's holy word. Pray with us, would you? God, as we come before you today, we just want to thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. God, you have blessed us beyond what we deserve and you've given us so much. So God, we just pray that you would help us that in this time that we're in to, to grow in patience. That God, as this pandemic that we're facing is, is beginning to get to the best of us. God, we just pray that you would help us to, to just wait upon you. For God, you are still in control and you're moving and working right now. So, God, we ask that you would bless this day, bless this message, bless each one that is tuned in. And, God, we pray that if there's one that doesn't know you for the forgiveness of sin, who doesn't have a relationship through your son, Jesus Christ, we pray that today would be the day that they call out to you. For we know if they call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. So now, God, be with us throughout the remainder of this message, and we give you praise for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we look in this passage, we really need to understand what's taking place. After Jesus has ascended to heaven, his disciples returned to Jerusalem, to an upper room where, where they had been staying. They, they were there waiting on the promise of the Father. We would think that they may have entered the room anxious, especially since they had just saw Jesus ascend out of their sight. But they seem to have found the cure for their anxiety. The Bible says in, in Acts 1 and 14 that they all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication. And we know that after Jesus ascended back to into heaven, that, that they chose someone to take the place of, of Judas. And, and then they're back in this room together. And being in this room together, they must have continued in prayer and supplication. And this just may have been what they needed. This just may have been the secret to being able to patiently wait. Because serving and obeying the Lord can cause us much anxiety. We often go to the Lord in prayer, seeking his will, only to, to not hear from him right away. And often when we're not hearing from him, we quickly become frustrated. In, in which sometimes this frustration will lead to fear. Maybe the fear is that not hearing from God means no 
to our request. Maybe not hearing from God means that that he's disappointed in us. We have this fear. And I want to share with you that that though we sin, though God saved us in the midst of our sin, he he saved us knowing just how we are and, and what we will and we won't do. God knows everything about us, but he still loves us. And, and whenever we feel like he may be disappointed in us, we can know that he loves us. Or maybe we fear, maybe we fear that that he is no longer going to listen to us. I want to assure you today that if we call, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you call upon him, he hears you. I want to assure you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you call out to him, seeking repentance, then he will hear you. He hears our prayers. He, his answer is not always yes. His answer is not always no. Sometimes the answer is to wait. Patiently, just wait. But it does seem that whenever we're having to wait patiently, when we find ourselves in prayer and supplication, the waiting becomes much easier. Here in this text, we find that these men and maybe even some women were waiting. They were on one accord when the day of Pentecost fully come. And because they were waiting and they were on one accord, God rewarded his disciples with his power and his presence. we, We really need to look at how God rewarded his disciples with his power and presence. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, the disciples were together in the same place on one accord. This was not the first Pentecost. As a matter of fact, since Moses gave the law, Pentecost was celebrated every year. Uh, It was celebrated 50 days after the Passover, except then they called it the Feast of Weeks. Uh, It was... Uh, the Feast of Weeks was a time where they celebrated, where they honored God for their first fruits. And Numbers 28, 26 says, also on the day of first fruits, when you bring a new grain offering to the Lord at your Feast of Weeks, you shall do no customary work. This is a day they're honoring God, but this Pentecost... This Pentecost had fully come and this Pentecost was different than any before. This Pentecost put on display the power and the promise of God. And we see this power and the presence of God in a sound. The Bible tells us that suddenly, here when we look in this verse, suddenly in verse 2, Suddenly, in other words, unexpectedly or out of nowhere, there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. This was a sound that filled the house. This was a sound like no other sound. This was a sound that that came from God. It was a sound that was created for this precise moment in time. This sound is likened to that of a tornado or a hurricane. And it filled 
the house. Now, the question that I ask and maybe you would ask is why would the coming of the Holy Spirit have to come in such a manner? Why would he have to come in the sound of a mighty rushing wind? And the only thing that I could really come out of, come, come up with is maybe it was to get people's attention. When a hurricane or a tornado comes through, it gets people's attention. People will prepare for safety. And as it comes through, once it goes by, they find, they go out, they assess their damage. And then they, they go around town or they go around the community or they go around the county assessing the damage that has been done. I want to tell you, when wind comes, wind gets our attention. I was in my office Thursday afternoon. The wind picked up and Iola come straight to my office and, she, and, and just to share what she saw the wind do. She asked me if I saw a wheelbarrow rolling down the road. Yeah, I, I thought she had lost it when she asked that. But what she said she saw was that a, a truck was coming by the house and there was a wheelbarrow in the bed of the truck and a gust of wind hit that hit the back of that truck just right that it, it raised up the wheelbarrow, threw it off the truck and rolled for a few feet, turned over. The truck stops and one of the guys gets out, runs to go get the wheelbarrow to get it back in the truck. I want to tell you, when when the wind blows, it gets our attention. It got her attention. That day, I want to remind us, when the wind of God comes upon you, he will get your attention. I'm talking about the wind of God, the Holy Spirit of God, or as some would like to call him, the, the Holy Ghost. And, and that's all right if that's what you call him. But when he comes, when he blows upon us, he gets our attention. He, he, when he's alive within us, he, he, we know that he is there. He will show us our life. He, he shows us our walk. He shows us our talking. And then all of a sudden, he, he changes our walk and he changes our talking. He changes our lives yes <laughs> the wind of God this mighty rushing wind it will change your life just maybe he came in the form of this mighty rushing wind to get their attention because he knew their lives would forever be changed well he not only comes as this in the sound of this wind. But we see God's power and presence comes down in the form of a tongue of fire also. While the Holy Spirit comes down as a tongue of fire, it divides. This tongue, this one single tongue comes down and it divides into several tongues to, to rest upon or to sit upon these disciples. We understand that the tongue is our method or our instrument of, of preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's how we share the gospel. And the Holy Spirit of God is the convicting power of the gospel. And these disciples would need, would need the Holy Spirit to be upon them, to be upon their tongues, to, as they would go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the very people who crucified him and, and to those people who would seek to silence these disciples. The Bible says in, in Romans 10 and 13 that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
But we can't stop there because the Bible continues in verse 14 of that same book in that same chapter. It says, how shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Listen, if you've been born again, then the Holy Spirit of God is alive in you. He indwells you and so that you will always know that he is always there. And because you are a born again believer who the Holy Spirit indwells, you have been commissioned by Jesus Christ to to share. In other words, to preach, to teach, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. The excuse that you can't talk to people or you don't know what to say. It will not continue to suffice. But be encouraged. Be encouraged because God has given you his power and his presence to walk with you and to guide you. And when he provides an opportunity for you to share the good news of the gospel, he has given opportunity for his power and his presence to be on display working through you. Oh, God wants to bless us. Because if you've ever shared the gospel and won somebody to Christ, Oh, it'll prick you, it'll prod you, it'll move you to want to continue sharing the gospel. Oh, God is wanting to bless you. And he uses his power and his presence to bless us. Oh, but God's power and presence as we continue looking at this passage, it also feels. We see that there in verse 4. We see here that disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. Both the disciples as individuals as well as the disciples as a group, or may I say it, as the church. Here's the first fruits of the church. This Pentecost, when it fully come, it gave birth to the church. And here he fills the church with his power and his presence. The Bible says that all we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 4 and 5 teaches us that, that as a group they were assembled together. And they were commanded as a group not to depart from Jerusalem. As a group they were to wait on the promise of the Father. They were told you shall, not, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In other words, as a group and as individuals... They would receive the Holy Spirit, both as individuals and as the church. They would experience and they would know the grace and the power and the presence of God. So while approaching this text, many of us, not all, but many of us will focus on the tongues. But that's not where our focus should actually be. Our focus in this particular passage it should be on being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5 and 18 tells us to not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but to be filled with the Spirit. When we are filled with the Spirit, people will recognize it. Listen, this might not be popular around some circles, but I have to preach the truth here. The speaking of tongues is not the evidence that we've been filled with the Spirit of God. The speaking, the, the evidence... It's the fruit of the Spirit. 
This is not a message against the speaking in tongues. That's not what I'm, I'm doing here. But what I'm saying is that the evidence or the proof that we've been filled with the Spirit is that the fruit of the Spirit is alive and on display in our lives. Galatians 5, 16 through 26, it teaches us that we are to walk in the Spirit. Uh, but when we walk in the flesh and we're seeking to fulfill the lust of the flesh, then we are proving that we are not full of the Spirit. However, in verses 22 through 23, the Bible tells us that that, it, that we are to walk in love, in joy, in peace, in long-suffering, in kindness, and in goodness, and faithfulness. It's telling us that we are to walk in gentleness and, and in self-control because such of this there is no law. This, this is what determines or what shows evidence or what shows proof or fruit that we're filled with the Spirit of God. But listen, just as individuals are to display this fruit, so is the body, so is the church to display this same fruit of the Spirit. Listen, I, I, I want to be honest with us. If someone walks in our church and they don't see joy, <coughs> they don't see love and they don't see peace, they need to leave. If they come in the church and spend time with us and notice that we're not long-suffering, we're not kind and we're not good, they, they need to leave and find another church. If they find that we're not faithful and we're not gentle and we don't, we don't display self-control as a church, then they need to find another church because the church itself is not displaying the fruit of the Spirit. And as a body of believers, when we come together, the fruit of the Spirit should be alive and well in the church. <coughs> now this may not sound Baptist, but if God uses you to speak to him in a language that only you and he knows, have at it in your prayer time. Have at it in your worship time. Just don't tell me that because I don't do it that I'm a second class Christian. Don't tell me that, that I'm not saved enough. The day Jesus saved me and the day Jesus saved anyone, the Holy Spirit of God came and he dwelled within me and he dwelled within us. And as soon as I made Jesus my Lord and Savior, I'm not having to wait on that. That has already taken place. And truth of the matter is, I can't get more of him. He can get more of me, but I can't get more of him. He lives in me. Now it's up to me to give him all of me. I've been saved too long. I've read too much. And I've experienced enough to know that I belong to him. And he belongs to me. Oh, you ought to be able to say the same thing. If you've been born again, you know that you know that you know that your name has been recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. You should be able to say that he belongs to you. And you belong to him. For all of us who've been saved, we've been indwelled with the spirit, with this Holy Spirit of God. And we've been called and commissioned to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, our heavenly father, has given us his spirit 
So we have the power and the presence to fulfill the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And oh, what a time we're in to, to be out and share the gospel. We can't come to the house of God, but we can be the house of God outside in this world. We're living at a time where people are desperate. We're living at a time where people are searching. So right now, we should all be sharing the gospel every chance we get. And he will do it through us, through his power and through his presence. Yes, God rewarded, he rewarded the disciples with his power and his presence. But God also reveals his power and his presence. Now, if we look in verses 5 through 13, and I'm going to have to move on here. But if we look in these verses, what we find is that God puts his power and presence on display. He makes witnesses out of those who were in the upper room at Pentecost. The Bible tells us that the devout men, the Jews from every nation were in Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks. These men were filled with all sorts of emotion. At first, when they heard the sound of the disciples speaking in these other language, they were confused. They were confused because whatever language the disciples were speaking, all these Jewish men understood what was going on in their own language. The Bible says that they were not only confused, but they were amazed and that they marveled at the fact that these Galileans were saying what they were saying was understood by Parthians, by Medes, by Elamites, by, by those of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, by those of, of Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Serene, and Rome, and even that one that I can't pronounce. All of those coming from those areas, they understood in their own language. What was being said by these Galileans? These men understood because this was a move and a work of God. <coughs> I have a question now. Have you ever experienced confusion, amazement, and being in marvel? At the same time, oh, sure you have. What about at the birth of your first child or the birth of your first grandchild? <laughs> yeah, you had all sorts of emotions going on, but, but really, let's, let's, let's hone this in a little bit. What about the day you got saved? Oh, all of these emotions come. I, I'm sure you were confused as I was at how easy it really was to be saved I'm sure you were amazed at the love you experienced for the first time and, and I'm sure you marveled at what your eyes saw when God opened them up clearly for you oh yes that along with what was taking place in the text that's a work of God God was demonstrating his power and his presence in the lives of those who believed in the finished work of his son, Jesus Christ. But sadly, those won't be the only emotions felt by those who come around. Here in this passage, in verse 13, we find that there were those who simply mocked the believers. They accused them of being drunk now, you may be called all sorts of names. There are those 
in the world who are imprisoned. And there are some who are even killed for their faith. But we continue to share the gospel through the power and the presence through God's Holy Spirit. Listen, the gospel is simply that Jesus was born of a virgin. He left the portals of glory to come to this sin-cursed world, born of a virgin. He walked the dusty roads of Jerusalem and he lived a sinless life. And for that, they mocked him. They beat him. They poured the hair out of his face. They placed a crown of thorns on his head. And listen, they didn't place it on his head. They pressed it down upon his head. They nailed him to an old rugged cross and he gave his life's blood to cover our sins. He did this so when God would look at us, he wouldn't see us, but he'd see the blood of his only begotten son. They buried him in a tomb. And on the third day, he arose conquering death, hell, and the grave. And giving us a hope that one day we're going to arise also to live with him forever. This is the gospel. Now, you may be saying, preacher, I'm patiently waiting for God's spirit to call me to serve him. Well, I want to tell you, if you're listening to this message today, you can quit patiently waiting Because you wouldn't be listening to this if he wasn't already calling you. He's calling you. And now it's him. It's God who's patiently waiting on you to respond. He wants to respond. He wants you to respond so he can reward you. He wants to reward you by filling you with his power and his presence. He wants to Fill you with his Holy Spirit. And he wants to reveal in you to others his power and his presence. He wants to reveal his Holy Spirit working in your life. Oh, are you ready today? Are you ready today to say, I'm not waiting any longer. As God is patiently waiting for you. As he is still calling on you. Are you willing today? Are you willing today to give your life to Jesus? If so, if you're tired of waiting, tired of putting it on hold, but you're ready to give your life to him, would you? Would you just pray with me? God, I'm lost. And I believe Jesus is your son. And God, I need a savior. And I'm convinced Jesus is the savior of the world. So God, I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to cover me with your blood. Oh God, I thank you for saving me. And now God, I want to confess your son is my savior to the world. So I thank you. 
that right now I've received your Holy Spirit, your power, your presence to walk in this new life. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for empowering me. Now lead me in this new journey of life. In Jesus' name I pray. Oh, if you prayed this prayer, if you believed it in your heart, and you truly received Jesus as your Savior, and you're ready to confess him to the world, oh, why don't you let us know? Let us know through the comments on your Facebook page. Uh, you can... Uh, you can call the church, 910-628-9117. You can inbox our Facebook page. You can text me. You'll find my number on our website, reedybranch.org. We, you can just let us know that you've received Jesus. Let us know that you've had a, a change in your life. Let us know that the Holy Spirit is now living and dwelled within you. And we'll celebrate with you. And we pray that God. Will forever bless you. Reedy Branch. We love you. We miss you. We long for the day when this. When this COVID-19 is behind us. And we can come together to worship the Lord. Corporately. But until then continue. To worship him personally. And God will bless us according to his will and according to his righteousness. May God bless each one of you.